in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let's read a few verses from 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, by professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Also, I like to read two verses from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The grace of God the Fathers be with all of us. Amen. I am happy to be with you tonight, especially last Tuesday I couldn't be with you. And it's also a big blessing to have His Grace Bishop uh, Seraphim, who just arrived tonight. And God willing, he will pray the liturgy with us tomorrow morning. The liturgy will be early tomorrow morning from 6 to 8.30. And also, it's a great blessing to have also His Grace, Bishop Gregory, with us. And I asked both of them to participate, but they declined. But at the end, actually, we'll have their graces with us if you have any question about this lecture or any other topic you want to ask about. In these two references that I read to you, St. Paul charged Timothy to guard the deposit or to guard that which was committed to you. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. In some translations, it is guard the deposit. In Arabic also, احفظ St. Paul, during his time, he found that many challenges actually start to arise against Christianity. And knowing that the time of his departure became closed because as you know the last letter he wrote it before his martyrdom was second timothy that's why he is giving like final instruction and commandment to his disciple timothy and the most important commandment is to tell him you see now all the challenges to our faith either persecutions or either false teaching or false doctrines. So he told him, you need to guard what was committed to your trust. Now I entrusted you with this faith. I entrusted you with this deposit. So I want you to guard it and to protect it. 
At the same time, you, the youth, are the future of the church. And as His Holiness Pope Shenouda used to say, a church without youth has no future. So, as Paul said to Timothy, guard the deposit, it is also your responsibility to guard the deposit or that which was committed to your trust. You know, in, when there is a campaign or a certain movement, in the beginning there is a torch bearer, a person actually who carries the torch in the forefront of a campaign or a movement. Our father, the apostles, were torch bearers. They carried the faith and they shed their blood and they were persecuted and they were tormented and they did not compromise, they did not yield to all this persecution and they delivered and passed on this torch from generation to generation. And our fathers actually kept the faith and they passed it to us. So you are the next generation to whom this deposit will be passed. So you need to be ready and you need to be prepared to receive this deposit and to guard it and to pass it on to the following generation. And thus the faith that was handed from the Lord Jesus Christ to the apostles will not stop in our generation, God forbid, but we will pass it on to the next generation and so on. So it is your responsibility, it's your responsibility to guard the deposit. As St. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Christ taught St. Paul, as we read in Galatians, and St. Paul taught Timothy, and he said to Timothy, commit this to faithful men who will be able to teach others, and that is how this deposit will pass from generation to generation. So, in this lecture, I like to cover the following points. Number one, what are the challenges during the time of St. Paul, which are very similar to the challenges that we are facing right now? Number two, what are the dangers of these challenges? if we are not guarding the deposit. And number three, what is the deposit? What is, what St. Paul said, what is committed to your trust?
What is that deposit? And number four, how to guard it? St. Paul said to Timothy, guard that which was committed to your trust. So how to guard it? And finally, I like to conclude by the seal of God on the foundation of the church. I will explain it when we come to this point. So what are the challenges? What are the dangers of these challenges? What is the deposit? And how to guard the deposit? And what is the seal of God on the foundation of the church? St. Paul spoke about three different challenges. The first one, he called it profane and idle babblings. Profane and idle babblings. You can read it in 1 Timothy 6 verse 20 and 2 Timothy 2 verse 16. The second challenge, he said, contradictions of what is falsely called the knowledge. What is falsely called the knowledge? The contradictions with, of what is falsely called knowledge. The second contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge, the reference 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. And number three, striving about words to no profit. Striving about words to no profit. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. And I can see until now, these three challenges are actually trying to attack Christianity, trying to attack our faith. For example, when he said profane and idle babblings, profane, it is something offensive to God. Something make God disappointed at the human being. And idle babblings, when you try actually to support this profanity with just some philosophies of, or some uh, excuses or some argument, that's actually in reality it's babblings. That's profane and idle babblings. And no more profanity than sexual immorality, like what we read in the book of Genesis, when the children of God saw the daughters of men, children of God, the children of Sheth, and how they, they married from the daughter of men, which means people pagan, not believing in God. And the Lord said, my spirit is striving, as if my spirit is suffocating, if we can use this term. And nowadays, we can see the all sexual immorality, whether like same-sex marriage or homosexuality or transgenderism, and how they try actually 
to support it and to defend it and to convince the people with it, with babblings. Because if you think about it, it's against the anatomy of the body, it's against the physiology of the body, it's against everything. But they are trying to push their agenda, the right to uh, get support more and more from the government and from the politicians. So these are an example of the profane and idle babblings. Also, St. Paul mentions contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Not every knowledge is the truth. There are many knowledge or signs that people advocate, but they are false. And one of the examples is the evolution and denying creation. This actually is one of the most famous what is called falsely knowledge, as St. Paul said. And how this contradict the faith that we received from God for more than 7,000 years. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. But this is the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. And how the people put their understanding and their false perception and false understanding above the faith. Although one of the beautiful verses in Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to understand creation, you can understand it only by faith. That's what St. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith we understand, by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. You cannot understand this by science, because science is limited. Science is limited. If you want to understand this, you understand it by faith. 2000 years ago, St. Paul said, by faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God were created by the word of God so that the things which are seen, what we see, were not made of things which are visible. God created the world from nothing, nothingness. You cannot understand this except by faith. And the third example, St. Paul said, striving about words to no profit. Some people, in order to push their agenda or their false, false belief, either they misinterpret the scripture or 
start to argue about words in order actually to push their agenda. For example, when you read about the Eucharist and communion, when you read John chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's very, very clear that the Lord spoke about the reality of the change of the bread into his body and the wine into his blood. Very clear. But you find people start to argue about words. They say, when the Lord said, this do in remembrance of me. So the word remembrance, according to, to them, means it's just a memory. But it is not real body and real blood. And so on, so many examples. How people start to strive about words to no prophets. For example, they say, the Bible says, Live only and you will be saved. Then all what you need is just faith. You don't need words. Although in James, it's very clear, faith without works is dead. But they are blind to these verses. And they strive about words to no prophets. So these three challenges that St. Paul mentioned back then 2000 years to Timothy, until now they exist. Profane and idle babblings, contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, striving about words to no profit. But what are the dangers of these three challenges? St. Paul says, the first thing, some have strayed concerning the faith in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 21. Some have strayed concerning the faith. And we see right now many people who grew in the church from very devout Christian families, they say, I'm atheist, I'm agnostic, straight from faith. Because they listened to what is falsely called knowledge. They started to read what is falsely called knowledge without understanding their faith, without understanding and knowing the deposit that was given to them. That's why they became deceived as the serpent deceived our mother Eve. So that is the first danger. If you are not careful, there is a warning here. Some have strayed concerning the faith. The second danger we read it in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. They will increase to more ungodliness. Increase to more ungodliness. And we can see this in pornography and sexual immorality. People actually don't step, stop at a certain limit. More and more, they indulge themselves to ungodly practices. And I don't know where 
they can stop. Satan is torturing them and making fun of them, laughing at them. And they increase to more ungodliness. 2 Timothy 2.16 And when St. Paul spoke about striving about words no profit, he added, but rather to ruin the hearers. 2 Timothy 2.14 And this is the third danger. So, when we start to strive about words, not only this striving is unprofitable, but also it will ruin the hearers. Unfortunately, some people who hear these words because they are not steadfast in their faith, their faith is ruined and they are confused. And they say, maybe that's correct. The Lord said, do this in, uh, in my remembrance. So, yes, how the, the bread and wine change to body and blood. So it will lead to the ruin of the hearers. And what's actually very, very scary, what St. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.17. He said, their message will spread like, like cancer. Their message will spread like cancer. And when we, he said like cancer, not only in the fast growing, but also in the destructive ability to. So all these challenges, they spread like cancer. And we can see atheism, homosexuality, transgenderism, all these things, abortion, all these things actually are spreading like cancer in the whole world spreading too fast and not only that but they have destructive ability they destroy people they destroy nations they destroy countries because it's against god their message will spread like cancer so saint paul told us there are at least four dangers. Some have strayed concerning the faith. Some increase to more ungodliness. These striving about words not only unprofitable, but rather ruin the hearers. And number four, their message will spread like cancer. And now, this is your role. This is your responsibility. You are the future. You need actually to guard the deposit, to guard that watch was committed to your trust. As St. Paul said to Timothy, guard the deposit. So what is the deposit? The deposit, we can speak about personal deposit, and the deposit that was given to the Holy Church. Each one of us 
received a personal deposit. He was entrusted with, with certain things. You are entrusted with the faith. You are entrusted with the grace of the Holy Spirit. You are also entrusted with the talents that God gives you as each one has received a gift. Let's minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So are you guarding what God deposited in you? Are you guarding the grace of the Holy Spirit? Or we are quenching the Spirit in us? Or maybe we are resisting the Holy Spirit in us or grieving the Holy Spirit? Are we kindling the grace of the Holy Spirit in us or not? What about the faith? You received faith. You were taught the faith in Sunday school, in your church, in your readings, in the Bible, from your spiritual father, from your parents. Are you guarding this faith? Or once we became youth, we actually rebel against all of this. St. Paul is asking each one of us, guard the deposit, guard that which was committed to your trust. What about the talents? God gave you certain talents in order to serve others by this talent as each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And it's a very important question each one of us should ask himself and herself. Am I guarding the deposit on a personal level or not? On a church level, our faith that was handed from Christ to the apostles until now, and over these 2,000 years, and if we counted the Old Testament over these 7,000 years, how many people died for this faith? I'm not counting only the martyrs in our time. How many people died in order to keep this faith and to pass it on to us? If our fathers and grandfathers did not shed their blood, would we be Christian today? How many people were tormented? How many people went to exile? How many people were tortured? The, the synexidiums that we read in each divine liturgy, the church is telling you many fathers were tormented, were persecuted, were tortured, were in exile in order to pass this faith down to us. Listen to what St. Paul 
said about these fathers in Hebrew chapter 11 verse 33 who through faith subdued kingdoms worked righteousness obtained the promises stopped the mouth of lions quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong became valiant in battle turned to flight the armies of the aliens women received their dead raised to life again others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection still others had trial of mocking and scourgings yes of chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sown in two were tempted were slain with the sword they wandered about in sheep skins and goat skins being destitute afflicted tormented of whom the world was not worthy they wandered in desert and mountains in dens and caves of the earth so that's what our father did and that's why we received what was entrusted to us today are we guarding this this deposit actually is very very rich is very expensive our father shed their blood now are fasting the fast of the apostles read their life read their story what they did in order to pass to pass down this deposit to us to what extent we are guarding this deposit the face of the church our heritage the spirituality many people nowadays they rebel against the heritage they rebel against what our father passed down to us they don't want to pray with the Agbaya, our spirituality they are against midnight praises they are against the divine liturgy they are against the hymnology they are against... that is the heritage and that's the spirituality that made the strength is, is the church strong that is the deposit that was actually committed to our trust what are we going to do with it? St. Paul is telling us, guard the deposit. Guard that what which was committed to your trust. Then let's come to the fourth question. How to guard the deposit? How to guard this which was committed to us? For the personal deposit, what God actually deposited in each one of us our faith our talents and gifts and and the, the grace of the Holy Spirit that we received it after baptism the best way is to commit this to God to trust God with your life let me read what St. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 he said, For I know whom I have believed. I know that God whom I believe in is the true God. And I am persuaded that He, that God, is able to keep 
what I have committed to him, this deposit which I committed to him, he will keep it until that day, until the day of judgment, until the last day. St. Paul entrusted his life. St. Paul entrusted his talents. St. Paul entrusted his faith. He put all of this in the hand of God. As he said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, trust yourself to the hand of the Lord. Put yourself in the hand of the Lord. And then, as St. Paul said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. And that what I have committed to him, in some translation, it is a deposit. He is able to keep what I have committed to him until then. But St. Paul also gave clear instruction to Timothy when he told him, guard the deposit. He gave him clear instruction what he should do. So first, the first instruction we read it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He told him, after he told him, uh, keep or guard the deposit. He told him, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. You cannot, living away from God, disobeying the commandment of God, and then you are saying, I'm guarding the deposit. You cannot. That's why the first and the most important instruction here, be diligent. Be diligent means do your best, do more than your best. To present yourself approved to God. Make God happy with you. Yes, God loves all of us. But when we drift away, we disappoint Him. When we abide in sin, we disappoint Him. Unfortunately, many of us, we try to get approval of our boss, our parents, privileged people in the community. But St. Paul said, no, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. And in order to do this, keep the commandment of God. Yes, we struggle, we fall and rise up, we fall and rise, that's fine. But keep struggling. And God will approve this. God knows we are weak. But don't give in to sin. Don't give in to sinful life. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. And the second instruction in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the same verse also. A worker who does not to be ashamed. As I told you, all of us, we received talent in order actually to make profit for the glory of God with this talent. So, when a worker will be ashamed, the worker will be ashamed, number one, if he doesn't make profit, 
Number two, if he is unfaithful, unwise or unfaithful. That's why the Lord used to say, who is the wise and the faithful steward? Wise and faithful steward. So St. Paul is saying to Timothy, be a worker who does not need to be ashamed. When we are faithful and we are wise, we will not be ashamed in our stewardship or in our responsibility. If you have a business and you want to appoint somebody, what you are looking for? You are looking for someone who is faithful and also somebody who is wise. Otherwise, he will be ashamed. So, in order to guard the deposit, we need to be wise and faithful and thus will not be ashamed. The third instruction, which also in the same verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, rightly dividing, or as we said in the Divine Liturgy, which more accurate translation, rightly handling the word of truth. Some people, when they handle the word of truth, they make falsehood out of it because they don't rightly handle it. Like people who actually twist translations or twist interpretations of the Bible. As I said, striving about words. These people are not rightly handling the word of truth. But in order to guard the deposit of faith, not only the right understanding of the scripture and the tradition, but also the right application to myself and to others. That's how we rightly handle the word of truth. Yes, we say it mainly for the clergy, as we hear it in the liturgy for the fathers in the divine liturgy. But also each one of us is responsible how to handle the word of God, how to apply it with your children for those who are married, how to apply it for yourself. You cannot guard the deposit if you are unrightly handling the word of truth deceitfully handling the word of truth. The serpent took the word of truth when God actually said to Adam and Eve, don't eat from this tree. But she did not handle the word of truth right. She twisted, the serpent twisted the word of truth and deceived our mother Eve. So in order to guard the deposit, you need to rightly handle the word of truth. And regarding the profane and idle babblings, St. Paul gave instruction and he repeated this instruction twice, which means it's very important. He mentioned this instruction in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verse 20, and in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 16. One time he said, avoid profane and idle babblings. 
Don't get into this argument. Don't get into this unprofitable discussion. Avoid it. And the second time he said, shun profane and idle babblings. Don't waste your time in reading or in discussing unprofitable words. And as I said, unfortunately, some people before understanding their faith, before understanding that which was committed to their trust, they start to read in these books and they end up, they say, I am atheist, I am agnostic. And when you ask him about the scripture, when you ask him about the, his faith, he doesn't know under anything. So, St. Paul made it clear, avoid and shun profane and idle babblings. The fifth instruction he said, he said, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This faith actually lived by the church for 2000 years. Are, are you now examining the faith whether actually we, we have the right faith or not? The church that actually produced the whole world, St. George, St. Anthony, St. Macarius, uh, St. Mark, uh, and until our generation, Pope Krillus, Archdeacon Habib Gergi, Sabuna, Bshoi Kamal, Abuna Yusuf, St. Anthony, are you still examining the faith of this church? Are you still seeing whether this church carry the sound doctrine or not? Be humble. Be humble and hold fast the pattern of sound word which you have heard from me. Me, St. Paul, and his successors in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Any factory is known by its productions. So, if the product is excellent, then this factory is very, very good, is outstanding. So the church that produced these great saints, martyrs like the martyrs of Libya, until now, don't actually cast doubt on this church, on its faith. Don't say the Coptic church is drifted away from faith. Yes, there are weaknesses. I'm not saying we are infallible. But the faith is sound. Hold fast the pattern of sound word which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Study the faith of the church. Keep it in your heart. Preach it to others. Be able to defend it, as St. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15. Be able to give a good answer or a good defense for those who question 
the reason of hope that is in you. And the last instruction that he gave to Timothy about how to guard the deposit, he told him the good thing which was committed to your trust. That's the deposit. I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. Keep it by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. You cannot do all these instructions by yourself or by your power or by your ability. We need the grace of God. That's why he said to Timothy, keep it by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Every morning when you are praying, say to him, God, you entrusted me with a great treasure and you are asking me to guard it. Who am I to be able to guard it? I am weak to guard it. Support me with the grace of your Holy Spirit that I will be able to guard this deposit. So these are the instructions that we need actually to keep in order to guard the deposit. Committed to God, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, be a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth or handling the word of truth, shun and avoid profane and idle dabblings, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, and finally, guard the deposit by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. The last point I told you about the seal. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, St. Paul said, Nevertheless, in spite of all the challenges, in spite of all the dangers that we addressed together, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. God is the groom of the church. He will keep it. He will defend it. He will guard it. He will protect it. So the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal like a seal that has two faces. One face, the Lord knows those who are His. The Lord knows those who are His. On the other side, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So St. Paul said, I am saying to you, Timothy, guard the deposit. But if you don't, God will protect the church. The church will stand strong and firm. Because the church has this seal. The first writing or inscription on the seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Many people try to deceive God. 
they are church goers they come to the church and they worship and but their hearts is totally away from God they are not living in righteousness and faithfulness yes I can deceive the people I can make the people speak about me as a godly person and saint and and but I cannot deceive them so St. Paul is saying to Timothy when you guard the deposit make sure that internally more than externally you need to to belong to God because God knows those who are his and on the other side let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity internally you need to be belonging to God but also externally you cannot live in iniquity many people name the name of Christ as we read in Matthew chapter 7 in the last days in your name we cast out demons in your name we move the mountains in your name but the Lord will tell them depart from me I do not know you so this seal on the foundation of God God knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity I hope I was able to deliver the message to you as the youth of the church the future of the church it's your responsibility to guard the deposit so I want you to know how precious the deposit that God put in your trust and you need to be faithful and you need to be uh, honest and righteous in guarding and defending this deposit so as it passed down from our father the apostles until now we can also able to pass it down to the future generations glory be to God forever and ever amen